Because We Make, the podcast about making creativity and why we do what we do as makers. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. So today I have a guest who's become a really good friend of mine, who has a YouTube channel, who does some of the more creative stuff I've seen on YouTube. And I wanted to have this guy on because I notice a lot of YouTubers and people who do creative pursuits tend to pigeonhole themselves a little bit. And my guest today could never be accused of pigeonholing himself. He does, I, I've seen him do woodworking, CNC, electronics, 3D printing. I mean, you can't have a better variety of stuff to do. So everybody give a warm welcome to my good friend, Bernie Solo. Hey, Bernie, welcome aboard. Hi, <laughs> oh, Vincent. Thanks a lot for having me. This it's, is great. It's kind of cool that we are, you know, I've just so you all are aware of what happened, we, we started talking at 25 after 8. It is now quarter to 10 my time. So we had basically an hour and 20 minute pre-podcast because we're just chatty Cathy's. And it's that's the kind of person that Bernie is like. We, we've never actually, and this is something that is becoming a theme on this podcast, we've never actually spoken. We've chatted online, we've chatted on Twitter, but we've never actually spoken. So of course, the first time we get a chance to chat, it's like, boom, open up the volcano and here comes the eruption of things. I want to say, I want to talk, let's talk. And wow, we had some nuggets in there that we should uh, we should have been recording. <laughs> yeah, so if anybody out there hears uh, Vincent actually like throttling me down, it's because I've given him permission to just tell me to just <laughs> shut up and we're going to move on to the next <laughs> Yeah, he's subject. actually told me, he actually told me, now, you know, he's told me that we're going to, you know, he rambles. And to me, that's, that's the juice of this. See, I... My philosophy with this podcast, um, there are plenty of maker podcasts out there, but my philosophy is I want to have conversations with people. I don't want to do Q&As. I know that that shocks people. It freaks them out. They're like, but there's no structure. Yeah, that's the idea. There's no structure. If I have invited you on this podcast, it's because I know your work well enough that I can talk to you about it. And your work, I I love your work. I mean, I you you inspire me with almost every video to just try something new. And we'll give, oh. an, we'll give an example. So Bernie did a video around Christmas time, and I was telling him this is my favorite video of his, and it's one that, like I said, was so good that when he did it, I actually was home in the morning watching the video, and I told my wife, you have to come watch this video. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen anyone make. And Bernie did a, a Christmas winter village for a store owned by a friend of his. And if you guys haven't seen this video, I'm going to link it in the show notes. It is the most beautiful piece. I just, it made me smile. I think I've watched this video like four times just because it made me smile <laughs> so, so much. Thank you. I really, I'm, I'm telling you, it had an impression on me. And it kind of was a turning point for me as a maker because I was like, I was into making like wood stuff at that point. Like it was all about making wood stuff, like furniture and stuff like that. But this kind of got me into like, hey, you can make beautiful things too. And I mean, it was really a turning point for me if you see the stuff I make now. So before we get too far into that, I realize I've just skipped way ahead because, you know, like I said, we talked so much beforehand. <laughs> right. You were already, you had a running shot at it. Uh, so why don't you tell us how you got started with YouTube and what got you motivated and, you know, who influenced you, that kind of stuff, because... 
I, you know, origin stories to me are very interesting because everybody has their own and I'm seeing trends in how people found YouTube and found making as a thing to do. So I'm kind of curious to know what got you started, you know, how, how you're finding it, are you enjoying doing it and so on and so forth. So give us the, uh, the basic rundown of how you found yourself making YouTube videos. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you, you kind of, um, narrowed it down to the, how to getting into making YouTube, make, making YouTube videos about making. Um, cause I've, I've been a lifelong career long, um, artist doing commercial work and I feel very fortunate that I was able to actually do creative work and get paid for it. But it was, a uh, it was in the advertising world and it was pretty much all two dimensional. I think I've mentioned that probably in interviews before, like that was probably what was bugging me was that, uh, uh, I was doing two dimensional artwork and I had all this 3d data that I was working with when I was working with the automotive companies. And, um, I wanted to get, um, uh, get it out of the computer, I guess, and get it in my hands. And that was right about the time when 3D printing was becoming available for hobbyists on the desktop and things like that. So it was about uh, 2010, I think, is when it really hit me. Uh, we, as a family, I have two uh, two kids, they're, they're teenagers now, but um, back then uh, we were subscribed to Make Magazine, back when it was a quarterly little book that would come out with a bunch of projects in it was the size of 2600 way back then (laughs) yeah it was it was it was great and then uh i live in michigan and we had the uh detroit maker fair which is held at the henry ford um which is a henry ford's museum of uh inventions that he actually formed way back when and it's open to the public um but they would have the maker fair there and uh it was probably 2009 i think because in 2010 um was when uh we realized that there was some you know we could as a family i could we could get involved so my son and i built our first um makerbot thingomatic uh back in <laughs> 2010 it's i still have it and it still works it's got this little teeny little build plate on it and it's made out of wood and it's kind of creaky and and all that so um but that I you know love, i love those i still see those by the way the thingomatic it's the, the yeah, laser around. cut the laser cut yep. laser cut plywood and that's it it's it's i i think they're you know a 3d printing professor um, actually has one in the background of his set when he records it's off to his right and he has it sitting back there with the rest of his 3d printers and every time i see it's like i remember when that was 3d printers <laughs> yeah it's basically a landmark because there were there were others because it was actually derived from the the rep rap um mm-hmm. group um which is uh which is what joseph prusa is doing still um that the prusa uh basically is uh, the same machine back in the day, almost the same time as the MakerBot was, um, the, the, that wooden thingomatic I was talking about. Um, and Joseph's actually been able to move that all the way up through right until now. And that machine hasn't, uh, it hasn't changed a whole lot. I mean, there were a couple of different versions of Bruce actually made a, um, he had a few variations of it. If you go back and look at the rep wraps and things, um, so that, that that's kind of neat, but it's nice to have that. I, I probably will always have that. Just because it's it's such an it's such an icon of I think you have the to times. have it. Yeah, you you, you know, absolutely have to have it. Keep it keep it running too. I want to keep it keep it going so that uh, it, you know I can you, actually turn it on. It does run today. Like it. It's yeah. ru- it, it's, oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been modified a, a little bit. Um, to uh, the the firmware has been updated a bit, so it, it runs. Uh, it runs. It runs pretty good, actually. It makes pretty good parts. It That's really does. Crazy. But uh, well, back to pick up the story. Um, at that point, um, 
I probably, yeah, it was probably three and a half to four years ago was when that whole, the making thing, um, I, I guess it sort of expanded a little bit and I started researching more things on the internet. And, um, well, 2010 also was when I built my first, uh, CNC router, a uh, little machine that only would cut like 12 inches by 12 inches. I think the board was like 13 inches across. Um, and I made it out of scrap wood just to kind of get my feet wet with the uh, stepper motors and things like that. And I think that's probably where I reached out to the internet to see who else was doing this type of thing. And one thing led to another, what led to YouTube. And I started seeing some of the maker, uh, people online, like I said, about four years ago. So that's when, you know, mostly it was just the, some of the main channels mm-hmm. that were out there. Um, you know, of course, Jimmy and Bob, Dave, <laughs> those guys, yeah. um, to see, and then, and then led into other people and the other people that were also getting started because they were, you know, uh, inspired by, by those guys. And, um, yeah, so I guess it's been, you know, I've been on YouTube for longer than it looks. <laughs> it's been about three, <laughs> over three years, I, I think it has been. Um, but uh, yeah, my channel, it's, it, it's growing. I think I can say that I've gotten everything back out of it that I put into it. Okay. I'm planning on putting a lot more into it, um, starting now <laughs> to, do, to do more. To do more, I was never, okay. I never set myself on a schedule because I was still working in the advertising business, which is, uh, it's so demanding. Um, but it's domestic automotive. Domestic automotive is kind of, you know, it's a little sketchy at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, uh, so um, I'm really working at, just like a lot of people, you know, seeing what I can do to uh, bring this making into uh, a bit more of a, um, you know, f- full-time thing. And I... Uh, don't need a whole lot of income, I guess. We're, you know, the way m- my family lives, we can, you know, we really like to enjoy what we do every day and not really mm-hmm. focus on on the money. But everybody does need to, you know, we do have bills to pay, things yep. like that. So, um, yeah, I'm working on working on doing that. So, um, yeah, I guess that's 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 kind of wraps it up. You know, kind of quick brings it up to date. So your skill set impresses the hell out of me. Because the the variety of stuff that I've seen you make, you know, over the past few months, well, since I've started following you, which looking back through your videos now to see which was the first video of yours that I saw. And I'm figuring, I'm looking now, and I, I think it was the pencil cup. The the modern That you the saw, you mean? Time. Yeah, the first, the first video okay. of yours that I saw was the pencil cup. And at that point, I did um, a Bernie binge where I went back oh. and I watched all the videos before it. But that was the first one I watched. And I remember thinking when I saw the way it worked and how you layered the maple and the walnut and then you cut away the walnut to reveal the maple underneath. It's like something clicked in my head like, oh, crap. Now this all makes sense. That's a whole new thing. And it was like, wow, I finally get how this stuff is made. And you've made i'm looking at your videos now in the you've made pencils you've made a sharpie container you've made a giant walnut you made a christmas display and you made these really cool skulls out of circuit boards i mean there's such a variety of things that you've done and the amount of skill that you do them with it just impresses the hell out of me so how do you how do you end up with such a I mean, I'm, I'm in It's because I'm a scatterbrain. I told <laughs> you. That's how I introduced myself is I'm just, I'm such a scatterbrain that I can just jump from one thing to the next. And I've always been, 
just fascinated with how things work. And a lot of people, you know, will say that probably relate to the fact that it was as kids, they loved to take things apart and see how they worked. And, and if it was a toy that was a metal toy, then you were, you were taking apart metal, you know, <laughs> and you were bending it with pliers trying to get it open. Or if it was a piece oh, of plastic, yeah. you'd know that if the plastic, if you, you know, were prying on it, you'd eventually probably, you know, break it. And then everybody's, you know, messing with uh, wood projects and things like that. And I was, uh, I never made it up to Boy Scouts, but I was a Cub Scout. And mm-hmm. a lot of those projects in there were, you know, like um, small woodworking uh, type things with, you know, Pinewood Derby and things like that. And, uh, and then as far as the, the, the graphic arts and the, the, the um, uh, imaging illustration work that I used to do, um, as a kid, I was always, you know, painting and drawing pictures and kind of moved into that as a, as a career. But I also, in high school, I picked up photography and I was a photo uh, student, well, a photo student, but I was also the photo, one of the photographers for the yearbook in high school. And I also started selling advertising for the sponsors, you know, to sponsor the, um, you know, to fund the yearbook. So I literally was doing imaging work for the yearbook and also selling ads and going out and shooting pictures of ads of like the local pizza place and the laundry and whoever was donating money to the school, you know, for the yearbook. So I literally was starting into advertising imaging back, you know, back when I was, um, you know, like 16 years old and stuff. So it, it, it that's, I guess that's how it, you know, the, the it bug, all kind of fits together. The bug bit you early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just, it, the, and the thing is, is and I'm, I'm sure people will relate to this. And this is a lot of what I want to do also in the future of my channel. And also as, as far as, um, um, you know, mentoring or, or, you know, um, maybe helping people or showing people what's possible is that these things tend to piggyback on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you, uh, cause, cause you, Vincent, you work in gra- graphics and things mm-hmm. like, um, vector graphics and things like that. Well, if you're working in vector graphics in Adobe Illustrator or, you know, any of the other vector uh, programs, if you go to move into say like laser cutting or, um, CNC router or, or any of that stuff, that's, that that's vector. I mean, those machines are following yeah. those paths. And right. so you literally have a jump start because you maybe designed a logo, you know, yeah, and the no, next thing true. you know, you're, you're going to be like, Oh, well, I've already got that skill. I can then add this skill to it. And you know, well, it's, it's funny that. you say that because the better I've gotten with, with Adobe illustrator, which I posted on Twitter earlier this week that I feel like my illustrator skills have actually surpassed my Photoshop skills at this point. Um, but the better I get with illustrator, the easier fusion 360 gets. Yes. <laughs> yes. And it's exactly. like, cause you're just thinking once you start thinking in that language, it all starts to make sense. In fact, um, who I'm assuming will be my next guest, and I'm not going to give it away, but the next guest on this very podcast um, is about to purchase a CNC. And they asked, is Fusion 360 or Illustrator something that they should learn? I'm like, yes to both, because you're going to use both. You're going to, you're going to, get a, you're going to be working with SVG files constantly. And the more proficient mm-hmm. you get with vector packages, even if it's just crappy Inkscape, it's still, yep. it, it's still something you're, it's a skill you need. And, you know, once you have that skill, moving program to program is just like, oh, it's just a slightly different variation, but it's the same skill that I already have. Mm-hmm. Now, what what I would also, if I can just interject something here, is that, well, of course, everybody's got their own perspective. And my perspective, looking at it from where I came from, is that I had uh, graphics 
um, a, a background, a training in, in you know commercial art and design, and uh, so I knew uh, vector graphics and Illustrator and Photoshop and all that stuff. And then I also, because of my automotive work that I was doing, I also learned CAD. Mm. So I had I had the CAD skills. I had 3D models. I had things that I was already doing. I didn't have a way to output them. Oh, wow. So I had the, the data and the skills <sighs> to crap. create it. And then I was looking for how do I get it out of the computer? Now, what I I want to say I want to – I shouldn't say – well, what the word I wanted to use was warn people that if they get a machine – like a CNC router, a 3D printer, or something like that. Ahead of time, they I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, I, I got to learn CAD." Yep. And yep. so I would I say, get your feet wet in CAD. Start yeah. start um, 3D modeling. Learn Adobe Illustrator, uh, Inkscape, and things like that, and get get a feel for those um, those vectors and uh, the mm-hmm. 3D modeling, and get in get into all that stuff. And if you really get excited about that, it's also going to make you better at shopping for the type of machine. Because then you know what you're going to make. Mm-hmm. Not say, I've got a machine now. Now what should what I make? I do? And what could I do and, with it? Yeah. But it's exciting. And it's it's a novelty. And everybody's, you know, kind of getting on the bandwagon with these machines. I But I just, as far as having a good experience, I would say take a break from, if you don't know, don't, don't have those found, foundational skills, get into them and learn them. And then that you won't be so over, overwhelmed because you won't have a machine yeah. sitting in your garage or your basement shop or whatever sitting there waiting for you to then learn, you know, it's, CAD. Because if you do come up with some graphics or some uh, 3D model or something, go to a makerspace and output it. You know, right. use somebody else's machine and see what it is that you're really interested in. You may be more interested in laser cutting than you are a CNC router. You know, well, you, might, you might find these things uh, out about yourself and what you're interested in. I was so. literally just going to say that because... So I bought... Right around the time I started watching, well, I took Steve Ramsey's weekend weekend woodworker um, course. I took the first one, and that's what got me into woodworking. Um, mm-hmm. It was I had decided I was just going to learn woodworking because my dad was a carpenter, and I always felt like that was a skill that I should learn. And it was tragic that I didn't have my dad around anymore, but I could at least say, "Hey, this was a skill my dad has, and this is a skill I have now." Um, but what I always what I, what I ended up figuring out the most was that I didn't enjoy woodworking as much as I enjoyed the process of making things. And I ended mm-hmm. up figuring out that 3D printers and now my laser cutter, my Glowforge, which is just a cash printing machine for all I can tell. <laughs> Great. Um, but that that's the stuff I enjoy desktop fabrication. I, I didn't I didn't know what I would really enjoy until I started exploring. But now it's like, oh, so in my office behind me I have two Prusa I three Mark Threes and then downstairs I have my Glowforge and sitting on top of the box that I that it came here in is my X carve. And it's not because I don't want to use it it's because i bought it as a gift to myself for finishing the weekend woodworker course and then realized i really just don't have the head to put together a kit i'm just not that guy you know there are people who are that is their thing like tinkering and putting together kits and stuff that is totally not me and so now i'm looking at i'm actually looking you might actually be able to give me some advice on this um i'm looking at the 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 carbide 3d nomad and the reason i'm looking for looking at it is because it's a smaller machine but they make a big deal out of it being able to cut soft metals 
and yeah. I, and it's enclosed. So for my needs right now, that's a better machine than anything I could get from Inventables or even the higher end CNCs that I was looking at. And I'm thinking that maybe that's the way I go. And I don't know, maybe you seem to know more about them than I do, you know, and you know what I do. So yeah, I, I, I think that you've got something there. And I, as I say, like I've, um, um, if I ever, I, well, another little fact about me is I, I I've mentored mentored in robotics teams and also uh, Boy Scouts and with the kids with the, my kids at school and things like that. So I tend to be, um, you know, a little bit of a, a teacher <laughs> type, oh, that's, that's type perfect type of thing. And I really think that listening to what you're saying is, and I also recommend this to a lot of people, is that it's very useful to find out what you don't want to do mm-hmm. as well as what you do want to do. And I think that, you know, that's, that's a very nice insight that you found ab- about that. And do you follow Winston Moy? Do you follow Winston Moy? I do. I do actually. He I started following him when I started is, shopping for a high end CNC. Yeah. He's the guy, uh, definitely to, uh, to reach out to and ask him about the, the carbide stuff because it's not, um, a, it's not a bad idea. That's what yeah, he's using he's now. He has a heavily modified stuff. shape. Oko. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a very, very into it. So, um, yeah. I'm continually amazed. I'm continually amazed by how much. Uh, so I, you know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, the handmade by Vincent Ferrari, the side business, as I call it, um, and what I can do in my house as far as producing things. And it's just like we really are in an amazing time if you are, you know, making products you don't even have to be making them to sell. If you're making stuff, period. I mean, the the things that we have access to, my my dad, my dad, his tool set included a circular saw and some drills and a whole lot of hand <laughs> mm-hmm. tools. That was his whole world, right? And yeah. if he I always tell I always tell my, you know, my mom is like, "I'm so I'm so proud of you for, t- you know, taking this on and your dad would have been so proud of you to see how much you've learned." And all I'm thinking is, "My god, if my father could see the tools and equipment and stuff that I'm using just like because it's what I have, he would mm-hmm. he would just be stunned. Like, you have a a laser? What? <laughs> like we didn't have lasers. We barely had circular saws. You have a laser and you have a machine that <laughs> that spits out plastic into shapes on a hot bed and then you have yeah. a thing like and wait, you know how to use CAD now? Like CAD was magical and I I you know, I it's hard not to get enthusiastic about this stuff. You know, I was right. I was I was working on a pendant when I was in when I was recovering from my surgery. I sat there with my iPad cuz I really couldn't leave the couch and I sat there with my iPad and I was sketching designs and today and yesterday I did a I took a design that was just a horrible sketch that I did and I turned it into an actual piece and now I'm going to go to my usual company and I'm going to get it cut out of a nice metal but mm-hmm. you know this is something that it went from idea to pro to prototype product which I'm looking at it on my desk right now mm-hmm. and soon it's going to be an actual thing and we we are just so damn lucky, man. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you just mentioned something too, and I, I've I've said this in I think a couple of my my videos is that the design process or the the creative process of how we kind of come up with what it is that we want to make. Um, I'm fascinated with that just yeah. in itself, just to go through my sketchbook and just come up with ideas. It's just it's like a 
well, it's like, a, well, it can be a therapy, I guess. It's almost a type of meditation. I mean, if you're kind of getting the, in the zone there and you're in the sketchbook and you're coming up with shapes and, and, yeah. and doing things like that, I think that that's another thing I've heard too. I, I tend to look out, look to reach out to see what, what can I help people with? Like, what do I know? What, what, what I shouldn't say no, but what, what am I kind of, you know, good at that I could help people with. And I think one of the things I was just uh, talking to my wife about this the other day was that I think I may start doing some, um, some things, either some stuff for my website or maybe some videos or both on that creative process for, to help people that are maybe struggling. Maybe they, they do have some fabrication equipment. They're so fascinated with the technology, but they don't know what to make or they don't know how mm-hmm. to uh, get to that and to come up with um, some uh, simple procedures to uh, like, like practicing brainstorming or, or the mind mapping type of stuff of how to come up with some things. I, I have, um, I don't know if you even saw them. I, I've been with Shapeways for about six years, and that's a place in New York that does metal printing. They mm-hmm. 3D print straight out to, into metal. Yep. Um, I, I've I, actually used them. I used them for an anniversary gift for my wife last year, believe okay. it or not. Okay, yeah, so you, you you know of them. Well, if you mm-hmm. ever get a chance, um, look up Works by Solo on Shapeways, and you'll see some of the stuff I've done there. Now, the reason I bring that up with the related to this um, design um and uh, creative process is that some of those pieces that are in there, this jewelry that they're derived from organic shapes. And I actually had an exercise with my daughter several years ago that we went outside and we started looking at plants, you know, just even weeds and seed pods and things like that. And um, we looked, looked them over and, you know, in actual 3d in their hands. And we looked at them. Then we also photographed them from different angles and brought them back in to the house, you know, opened up the pictures and started sketching based on some of these shapes and these plants that we saw. And there's a, there's at least two, maybe three pieces of jewelry that I have that are derived from just organic, um, weeds, <laughs> plant, uh, I'm, seed, I'm seed pods. It's, it's gorgeous. There's some seed pods. Um, the one that's a sun pendant, I think it's called. That's, the that's a petals. seed pod. Yep. And then there's the, um, the anise, the anise uh, seed. The anise is stunning. Well, a friend of mine was trying to, um, make a pendant where you can, um, you can coat, you can take real things like, um, nuts and seeds and things and leaves, and you can actually, um, metal somehow you have, I'm not sure how they do it. There's a process for you. It's called mm-hmm. where you have the metal. You actually make a leaf and it turns into its gold. You know when yep. you the metal. I've seen. I've seen. <clears throat> or you can cast it or whatever. And she really liked those um, those anise star seed pods. They're gorgeous. And she was trying to get it to work and it wasn't working for her. And I'm, I just heard her talking to my wife one day about it. And, and I said, what are you talking about? And she mentioned those seed pods. And I looked at them. That is fascinating. So I went and I, I took some and I photographed them. And then I, I went and I 3D modeled it. Of course, it's it's like it's perfect now because it's symmetric and it's, you know, uh. it's not as organic looking, but I just love that shape. So I kind of embellished it a little bit and made a, oh, made a pendant out of that. So it, it, that is, a, that's a pretty realistic one. But um, there's a bracelet in there, and there's um, whatever else. There's um, a couple yeah, of things. You got just, a couple of rings in here. You yeah, the, and they were yeah, based on some really organic shapes and things like that. So anyway, b- back to the creative process is to is to maybe walk people through those things. If um, I'm going to ask around, I think if people are interested enough. I may put a couple of videos together and a program to, um, you know, have them, you know, 
go outside, you know, sit down with mm-hmm. either their sketchbook or their phone or camera, you know, and, and start looking at things because we're surrounded by textures, especially if you, you go out in the backyard, you know, I mean, there's just so many textures and colors and just depth to things if we just start looking instead of it's, walking past them, you know, look at them and see how flower petals are connected to the middle and how they, how it all works. And then, you know, the Fibonacci sequence and the, you know, <laughs> how seeds are all, you know, I mean, it's the nature, it's the math of nature and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to come up with, um, you know, who knows? I don't know. Sometimes a lot of people like, um, uh, Jimmy DeResta actually says sometimes he just keeps a sketchbook of just stuff he sees and yeah, so- he might not use it for years. So that's he what I was going to mention. Takes he, notes. T- he was. They just talked. It was either the ep- last week, not the most recent one, either the episode before the episode before that. Um, he used the phrase "the creative sponge," mm-hmm. and it just. He said, "You know, nobody makes in a vacuum. You know, everybody. You're walking around and you're constantly absorbing things all the time, and whether you realize it or not, you know, you your your work is always going to be influenced by someone else's work." And that's not a bad thing. That's the way. That's the way you. That's the way you're supposed to think. You're you mm-hmm. pull in all the influences around you, and you use that to create something new and interesting. Well, we were yeah. working a funny related story. I'm working with the robotics team a few years ago. Um, th- these are high school kids. I'm talking about, and um, we came up with a with a solution for a, a hinge. I forget exactly what part of the robot it was. It was this hinge mechanism that we uh, had come up with and then we fabricated it and it looked like it was going to work, you know, for that year's competition robot and things like that. And the, the one mentor, uh, other adult had asked me, he said, well, how did you guys come up with that thing? And I said, well, I know the kids were, you know, they were trying to figure out how to make this thing work. And I said, it was actually in the men's room in the stall <laughs> and the hinge on the door reminded me of like how it could work, you know? And oh I know that's God. kind of an odd story, that's a but, great, no, that's but, great. <laughs> but it's like, well, there it is. He's like, that's, that's based on the hinge on the stall and the men's room. It's like, well, well, it's okay, a hinge so and you're, you know, yeah. you're sitting here. It's like, okay, well that's, you know, I had a, I have another, I have an example just like that. So I was working on a, um, I was working on a 3d printed enclosure for a client for a small circuit board. And, you know, the original plan was we were going to make these enclosures. And I was like, okay, it's no big deal. I can make a box, you know, put four posts on it to stand off the board from the bottom of the post that they can put a couple of tiny little M2 screws in. Everything will be fine. Well, they come back and they say, you know, we really want this, the box to contain the USB port and the cable. I'm like, okay, I can, I can do that. And the cable has to be so that you can't pull it out. I'm like, okay, this is just getting really ridiculous. So I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like, <laughs> how the hell do I design it so that you could put the cable in, but you can't take the cable out? And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And you know what I ended up coming up with? What's that? I had been watching a whole lot of videos about restoring old video game systems. And if you ever take apart, um, I know it's on, I think it's on just about every controller now. Uh, If you take apart a controller and you look at where the cable goes into the controller, there's three posts. And the cable is woven up, down, up through those three posts. Oh. And, and the idea is that you cannot separate, you can't pull the cable through those posts and out the hole, and it gives the cable a, a surprising amount of strength from being pulled out. So I took yeah. that design and I applied it to the case, and you know what? You couldn't pull the damn cable out. <laughs> and I was like, where would, Great. like, how would I, I never would have come up with that on my own, but just watching all these videos go, hey, it works for them, why wouldn't mm-hmm. it work for me, you know? So, same idea you know yeah well that, that goes back to like i said being a kid and just <clears throat> tearing apart stuff taking old you know going to the 
Salvation God, yes. Army, the garage sales and things like that, and finding finding an old game controller or an old um, mm-hmm. toaster or a coffee pot or something like that and just, just tear it apart, knowing that you're just going to probably just throw it away. But go through it and figure out, like, why is that spring in there? What does that spring do? You know, it's like it could be a latch for something, you know, and then just sketch it. Sketch it down and just say there's a latch that makes this happen. <laughs> I, was 15, <laughs> I don't know I was what I'm going to use it for, but – my parents' stereo stopped working when I was 15 years old, and mm-hmm. I took that thing into my bedroom. I took it apart, and I fixed it, and I put it back in the living room working. <laughs> and my father said, how the hell did you do that? I was like, I don't know, but it just made sense. And I think that that's when you're, when you're like, um, when you be, when you are of that maker mindset, and I never realized, realized it until recently, all the things I did as a kid that probably led up to me being the person I am now. But when you're in that mindset, you don't look at things as I can't do this. You look at it as I want to try to figure out how this works, how things work is so important to people. I mean, even for me, most YouTube videos that I watch, I really don't care about the end product. I would say probably about 75% of the YouTube videos I watch, I really don't give a damn what the final product looks like. Mm -hmm. I want to see how you get to the final product. I want to learn your processes. I want to learn, you know, if you're pouring resin, what kind of resin, how much pigment can you put in it? What kind of hardener? How long does it take? What do you use to make your molds? I don't really care that you're making a really cool thing. Yeah, it's nice that at the end you get the big reveal and everybody's happy, but I don't, that doesn't do it for me. What does it for me is, oh wow, now I know how to do this. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's a big deal for people like you and I, you know, where we where we look at something and it's more about how does this work than I can I want to do I want to make this thing, you know. Even today, I made I made a pendant for a customer for their son, and it was like, okay, I have to make six pieces of acrylic and I have to make sure that the kerf on the laser cuts correctly and I have to make sure and I'm sitting in illustrator and I'm reverse engineering the whole thing in my head like okay if I need to make this cut I need to cut this out of this how do I get illustrator to cut this piece out of that piece so that there's a spot for this to sit your brain just starts working in different ways and I think that as a maker or as someone that's in the creative industries your brain doesn't work the way a typical brain does because you've conditioned your brain to work differently. Yeah, yeah. In fact, <clears throat> as you were saying that, I, a question popped into my mind. I, I don't have a laser mm-hmm. uh, engraver, laser cutter machine mm-hmm. at all. Um, I'm familiar with the CNC um, router in the way that the 3D, 3D printers work and things like that. So the question, right when you said that, I thought, wait a minute, I don't know, <clears throat> honestly, I'm going to ask you the question. When you tell the laser to cut on a vector, is it cutting mm-hmm. on the line? Is it cutting inside uh, the line or outside of the line? Because oh, that's going to change your tolerances, right? It does. So the funny thing is that Glowforge doesn't give you an option. If you were to get something like the um, like the K40, the Chinese lasers that everybody has that they yeah. modify the hell out of that might burn your house down, or <laughs> like some of the higher-end ones mm-hmm. – um, not so much the Dremel. What's the other one that's at the Muse? The um, the Muse, uh, yeah, yeah. And there's the a, Muse. Ep- epilogue is another. Epilogue is another one. Is yeah. It? Yeah. So some of so I know that the Muse software will actually ask you where you want to cut, and depending on how you color code your files, it will cut inside, outside, or on oh, your lines. Okay. Glowforge doesn't give you an option. It cuts the line. But oh, well, so, but but that's okay because you it's know okay. Illustrator, you can just offset. 
Mm-hmm. You if offset you need your to. path so to where you want it to cut. So. so here's the crazy part. <clears throat> I offset nothing today and it just fit perfectly. So apparently because <laughs> that was your tolerance then. I guess yeah, I was right inside it was where just I slightly to be. Uh, yeah. Slightly and this smaller. is a small piece too and I was very impressed by the f- I did a test cut. In fact, the test cut's the one I have here. The final one is already ready to be shipped out tomorrow, but the test cut is sitting in front of me right now and I can't believe how good it looks on the first try. So you know, it's but you the the design process in Illustrator of where do I start with this? Like, how do I how do I figure out how to pull this all apart in the multiple colors? Because I needed mm. to cut this in. I need to cut three different colors, six different cuts, multiple pieces, and they all needed to fit together when I was done. And some by some miracle, <laughs> by the grace of God, who shone <laughs> upon my Glowforge, it all worked. And I cannot believe I showed the picture to the to the mm. client, and she was stoked. She's like, "This is exactly what I wanted." And I'm like, "Outstanding! You're just good." <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know. It, it, when you're when you're client, and this is the other thing. Like I know you've done client work because my yeah. favorite video oh, yeah, of yours was client work. I, I always tell people that I like making this stuff. I like making money making stuff. I'm not going to sit here and you know give give some great moral thing where I'm like I don't need to make money. You know, screw that. I like making money. <laughs> right. I mean, yes. You know who doesn't? But I don't. Making money <clears throat> isn't my primary motivation. I so get off on when people get something I made for them and their reaction is like, oh, you know, when you get that deep breath and that excitement, it's like, I can't believe this is exactly what I wanted. You nailed it. This is perfect. I love that. Yeah. And is that, I mean, is that yeah. the same for you? I is, or is that just a me oh, thing? Oh, it, it, it is. It is because, um, I, I've, uh, I've, I've had a little bit of, a uh, little bit of both where there's, um, you know, clients that are just not, <laughs> they're not reactionary at all. It's just like, okay, is it done? It's, you know, the deadline. It's like, you know, and you're just like, eh, okay, eh, okay. You, you, you know, you got paid for it, you know, and it's, the, <laughs> that's fine. But the thing is, is like, I think a, a, another advice for people is to say like what you just said, like, even if you didn't have that client there from what I just think I heard you say, you were very happy with the work that you did. Yes. Without 100%. the client. Then 100%. the client was like the frosting on the cake, right? That's that's been a lot of the stuff that I've done recently where yes. I'm I'm satisfied when I'm done and then if something sells it's like, "Whoa, I'm I satisfied know. and it's sold." <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So that is I think um where the fulfillment it's like yeah, taking the word fulfill, like you're filled, you're full, like abundance, mm-hmm. like there you got it. And then you know, you don't need somebody else to tell you that you did a good job. On yeah, it. it's, it's really a, funny. It's extra, you know. Yeah, the the fulfillment comes from actually having the product in your hand, but the it's it's the validation that you get yeah. from the sale. Like when somebody's yeah. happy with it, it's like, oh, cool, I've fulfilled and I got validation for my fulfillment. Wow, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as far as um, you know, doing work, I've talked to uh, well. But I guess my example I'm thinking of is young, younger people thinking that they might want to go into a creative field or, you know, be a, be an artist. Um, I say, you know, you know, you know, the society we live in, we need to make some money so that we can, you know, have a place to live and we can buy, mm-hmm. <laughs> buy food and things like that. So there's some practical side to things, but don't sell your, 
sell your soul out and don't, you know, to, um, you know, for somebody young that's looking at, at a career, you know, to say, you know, make sure that there's some sort of fulfillment in there. But if you, if all you have is fulfillment and no income, <laughs> not quite it, functional, you need to be, if, if you can find, and I think it's very fortunate. And I think this maker movement is helping a lot of people find that even if they do go to work every day and they're a little bit bored maybe with what they're doing, they come home and they get that that fulfillment. And maybe they, there is no client. They're doing it for a gift, you know, for a loved mm-hmm. one or whatever, which in general, they're always happy, you know, happy oh, client because yeah. it's a gift. You know, it kind of balances itself out and people can maybe, you know, keep their keep their sanity that way. And then I think that if, if somebody's, you know, fortunate enough and things all align and the right doors open and opportunities are there and taken advantage of that, we can actually, you know, do this stuff and be making a living at doing it, you know, full time. If, I do if, feel if like possible, but each project's going to change too. There's going to be some yeah. projects that are just going to be a pain in the ass. <laughs> just going to be, <laughs> yep. and then there's the other ones, you know, that maybe don't pay as much, but maybe it's a portfolio piece, you know. Well, and what's so funny you, say you know, that. there's there's a payoff. I think as long as there's something there, some reward there, I think it. Wow. You got to look at the big picture. I just had, I literally just had this conversation um, with my best friend over the weekend. I was I was at the local craft store. And I saw these little charms on the shelf on in a blister pack, you know, six of them. And I was like, these would make really cool earrings. And I have, I mean, I have tons. And I, when I say tons, I mean tons of findings. And for people that don't make jewelry, findings are basically all the stuff that you use to finish your jewelry. Like, Oh, I saw your storage boxes in one of your posts recently. Yeah. it's <laughs> You've got a stack of them. Well, that's one. Now oh. I need another one. I actually, <laughs> this weekend, I'm actually going to go to the craft store and buy mm. another one because I've already filled that one and I have stuff sitting outside of it now. Um, but yeah, so there, I have tons and tons of these findings. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get these and I'm just going to make them into earrings. And I'm going to, you know, if they don't sell, I don't need them to sell, but they do kind of show off well on the site you know and like you said it's like a portfolio piece like i don't think these are going to sell at all but what did they cost me i'm selling them at 15 dollars. material wise they are probably we're looking at a dollar 50 in materials mm-hmm. right and i know i can get 15 10 to 15 i'm sorry i'm selling for 10 dollars, and i know the 10 dollars is fair because i ship for free so take four dollars off that six dollars left a dollar fifty so i'm making 450 a pair on them that's my time putting the putting the loops and hooks and putting them on cards and getting them ready for shipping is that worth 450 i probably could should be asking for more but i know that when you look at my site and you look at my store and you go oh he's got those for sale oh look he made those he made those he made those there's there's Mm -hmm. stuff there there's i hate to call it bulk but that's what it kind of is and that's important when you're a maker is if you want people to see your work you have to show them some work (laughs) a lot of people are like yeah i make stuff and nobody knows what you make because you don't put it anywhere you know you don't have to, but if you want people to see your work, you have to show it to them. You know, hey, sometimes it's sometimes like you said, it's a portfolio piece that you <laughs> may want to have just to say, hey, I made these, and this is how I looked at things. I saw something and I made it. So, mm-hmm. 
That's why I brought out some of my, um, I just recently went on uh, Patreon. Thank you. You were one of my founding patrons. I, I appreciated um, the credit in your video. I wasn't oh, expecting that I was, saw my name. That I was, was, like, I was just that. blown away that that's actually got off onto a start. A lot of people, including myself, are a little bit hesitant about the, um, you know, the, the, the Patreon thing and all that. But uh, um, where was I going to go with that? Well, I'll just say this about Patreon. And to any of you listening that are my friends, if you're my friend and you're on Patreon, I'm supporting you. And I, I have a history. If you're a friend of mine and you put yourself on Patreon, I will drop other people to support you because I, I feel like you can, you can get support from your audience, whatever. That's fine. But if you're not getting the support from your friends, that's just screwed up. And I will drop literally every other per- I I have done this. I'll go through and I'll knock people off to make room to support other people just because I feel like you have to support your friends and you know my friends order stuff from me. That's how they support me. You know, for my for people like you and people like my you know Bruce, Bruce Ulrich, you know. Oh I, yeah, I feel, right Brew Daddy. Yeah, I feel like supporting these guys is, you know, doing their Patreon. My friend David Swiduck, his podcast, I feel like my obligation to him is to share his podcast and promote his podcast because he's not on Patreon. So fine, he's not on Patreon. So how do I help my friends? And I always look at what my friends are doing and figure out how do I support them? What gives them support? What makes their, you know, their endeavor worth doing for them? And, you know, for some people it's Patreon, so I support them on Patreon. For some people it's just sharing their stuff and I will reflexively share their stuff when they post it because a lot of them do that for me too. Mm-hmm. I'm not on Patreon. I don't have anything to put on Patreon. I have my online shop. I have my blog. I have my, I have this podcast now and my Twitter account. That's pretty much my content and I'm happy with that for now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I think that, um, and people, it's been said a lot that the maker community, and there's a lot of other communities that that support each other. We just you and I are more involved in the maker community, but mm-hmm. that support is 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 really a, it's like a triple win when we sh- we shout out each other that we mm-hmm. see somebody doing something really kind of neat, and and we'd like to, you know, yeah, I share my stuff, but. If I see you do something neat, it's like, it's like zero cost for me to say, "Hey guys, go check out what Vincent's up to." You know what? Yeah. What he what he's doing, um, and uh, and it helps. It's, it's just um, yeah. It it yeah. There, there's, there's I guess there's just that foundation of sharing. It doesn't matter really what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's just this this global community of of things in fact the, i i remember now what i was saying because you were talking about portfolios mm-hmm. and then the patreon thing came up um that i in my intro video which anybody can go watch you don't have to be a, a patron of it but i actually brought up some of my old illustrations that i used to do back in the 80s and i was just oh. thinking these airbrush illustrations i thought i've never showed those to anybody on the internet you know and i thought well wait though maybe if somebody's interested yeah, Maybe I could bring up some of my old airbrush stuff. And I just I just noticed that um, Bill from Punish Props <laughs> just did a video on airbrush basics. You know, and I was I was a professional airbrush artist like back in the late 80s, you know, and I'm just thinking, well, think people are interested in learning more about airbrushing. It's like so. Mm-hmm. So he shared to me without even knowing it, right. you know, and me thinking about that. The, the old portfolio pieces and things like that that could maybe lead to something. So as far as your point of, you know, putting things out there 
and showing people like, hey, look, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to paint, you know, airbrush, you know, watercolor. So I, I'm not trying to sell them. I'm not trying to right. do anything. It's just like, well, this is a, it's a skill that I learned a long time ago. Does anybody, you know, are you interested? You might get something <laughs> no, out so, of it. Yeah. You know, just to, to, uh, to just, uh, I don't know, it's like uh, throwing a line out, you know, like if you're a fisherman, <laughs> see what you're going <laughs> well, you to catch. But your your online portfolio, and you know, again, this is something it's in a lot of communities, but it's particularly important in the maker community. That's your resume, right? Your mm-hmm. your your what you are in the maker community isn't just about what you make. It's a it's the amount of influence you have. It's who you're connected to, and you know, it's it kind of sucks that there is a certain amount of I don't want to say politics because it's not really political, but there is a certain amount of you know there is a little bit of clickiness, but that's going to happen in anything, right? But what what gets you into those clicks and what gets you into the 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 mind space of other makers is showing off what you make. Your your digital resume is the stuff that you make. You know, for for me, yes. for me the most successful thing that I've ever done making is really pushing it on Instagram. And I I stopped using Instagram almost ex- I well I still use it somewhat personally, but it's almost exclusively stuff that I'm making and stuff that I'm doing in my shop and mm-hmm. you know, for my business because that I've gotten so many and when I say so many, I mean a large percentage of the stuff that I've sold to people has been because they saw it on Instagram. In fact, mm-hmm. the pendant that I made today, the Lightning McQueen one, somebody just asked me on Instagram as we started recording, what if I wanted to get one of these for my nephew? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. like you can't, you can't buy that, guys. You can't buy that. that. You have to have that. And you have to have that level of engagement with your audience. You have to put stuff out there and let them see what you're doing. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you have to commit to videoing your whole life so that you catch every moment, but make sure your stuff is out there somewhere so that people go, oh, hey, this guy's making some cool stuff. Let me uh, let me follow him for a little while and see what we get. Yeah. I think the um, the word that, that can sum a lot of that up is, um, is value. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, um, I think um, Bob Claggett was the one that had, done a little talk, I don't know if it was on the podcast or where it was, that about just creating value out there. And that's not oh, yeah, when taking they were a picture about- of my, my burger I'm eating for lunch. That's not right. going to provide value to anybody. But if I show somebody something I'm making or something, a tip or a trick or something that I just learned how to do something or a new tool or something mm-hmm. like that, there's, there's some level of value there. And I think yeah. that, and it's just, you know, I can, I can, I can just I can give that away, you know. It's like, hey, yeah. look, this is this is something that's might be of interest to somebody else. For for me, for me, the biggest thing that I give away that I think has the most value is my blog posts, because um, I tend to write about the process of making and how you can think about what you're doing a little differently. Because I've noticed that. You know, you and I talked about this beforehand. A lot of people will talk to you about how do you make money on YouTube? How do you make money here? Well, okay, that's fine, but there's no real trick to making money in a business. There just isn't. You know, there are certain hard and fast rules where if you want to turn your making hobby into a side hustle, which I don't believe you have to do automatically just because you can, and I've written about that too, but if you want to turn your making 
you're making hobby into a side hustle, there are certain, in, you know, inevitable things you're going to face and certain rules that you're always going to butt up against. You know, don't give your stuff away for free unless you're giving someone a gift. You don't, you're not obligated to give people discounts. Your time is worth money. All these things you, you can teach, you can show, you can be generous, but in the end, if you want to turn it into a business, and this is where the advice tends to fall off because the advice you get is how to be a content creator. In most cases, most people Mm -hmm. don't want to be content creators. The content they create is their products. They want to make something and they want to either sell it or maybe show it off or ha- even if they just want to have it, but they, their content is their product. And mm-hmm. what to do with that product is something you don't get a lot of advice on. Usually you get the advice on how do you market the video that has your content. In. And it's like, that's right. not what most people want to do. It's just not. You know, it's a special kind of person that wants to do this on YouTube and, you know, be be in, basically internet famous. It's that's that's a that's a whole other ball game. But for a majority of people, they're never going to even make one YouTube video. Yeah. They're going to want they want to make the thing. <laughs> they want to they want to do cool stuff in their shop. And to me, those are the people that I think are being notoriously underserved in all the discussions we have about making right now. I just don't think those people are being reached because I don't think anyone really cares if you're not making YouTube videos. So Yeah, I've listened to a lot of tutorials on, um, well, I've been in business for myself for um, not quite 30 years. I was employed for a while. Um, But um, the business has been um, a, a different type of business. But still, I understand exactly what you're saying as far as, you know, being in business. And Mm -hmm. uh, uh, some of the experts that I've listened to about the business and how YouTube is involved is that the money is not – the monetizing really isn't on YouTube. YouTube is a way of – Telling the people about your product and about mm-hmm. your value and where and then how to where to go get it. You know, basically right. go go back to your website and I have things that are either either some free maybe they're product um, project plans. Mm-hmm. Some of those small stuff is it is easy to you know give away and just to help people get started. But if it's something that um, I've invested time in, I have some complicated projects that I haven't published yet. Uh, that have taken me um, one one project I've got over three years into a machine that I'm building, um, and that will probably be a for sale set of plans because uh, cool. there's going to be a lot of time in um, invested in still in producing the plans, making sure the plans are accurate and you know it all works. In um, you know packages like that, and then there's another contraption which I'm I've got an, a company that's interested in um, reselling it for me. Wow. Uh, and it's going to be, but that'll be a YouTube video still. That's great. But the YouTube video will just be exposure, you know, and saying, hey, look, you know, check this out. It's really cool. And it's like, that's great. And if somebody really looks at that close enough and they want to make their own version of it, you know, have at yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. I, but I, I've got, you know, there's some, you know, in, income tied to it. Uh, there's, uh, um, well, like, I suppose the most complicated thing that I've, that I've, have right now is that uh, that maker machine that i did for maker uh-huh. central uh uh-huh. that one <clears throat> i have the uh the drawings and stuff that's all up on my website um for free and i've only have i think one one person so far i think is for sure um working on one right now uh cool. last last year i did it for the first maker central and uh the only second one 
that was well there were actually two that were made um jamie page had cut one if you know jamie uh jp woodworking he cut one out on a scroll saw and because there were oh gear, there were gears God. involved and it's exactly what happened with the laser were you talking about the laser begin cutting on the line or not on the line mm-hmm I didn't have a scroll saw at the time. And I asked him, I said, Hey, maybe you can cut one of these other scroll saw. So he did short story. He either cut on the line or he was cutting on the outside of the line. Anyway, they were gears. So <laughs> we started to put it together. Once I got to London or to into England, it was at Birmingham. Uh, and the gears wouldn't go together <clears throat> just not. because there was a little bit extra on, on there. And I'm not an engineer. I just, play one on YouTube. Um, <laughs> so uh, we would have had to sand all the little um, teeth on the gears and we were in the hotel and it just wasn't going to work. But then the other one that actually did work was um, uh, Chad from Mancrafting. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cut one out of uh, acrylic, out of green acrylic. I was literally and just thinking as I'm that actually the ran. Plans. We assembled it and it and it worked. And I, I at the time, I don't know if he cut on the line or not, but those parts actually worked when he when he I cut was them actually out of just, acrylic, so. I was actually just looking at it and I was thinking like, yeah, this would work really well with the what what Glowforge, their proof grade thick acrylic stuff. This would work great with that. Yeah. Actually. The only thing is with the plastic is it does tend to be kind of creaky because there's the gear teeth are grinding mm. together with the plastic. <laughs> if you don't like fingernails on the chalkboard, you might not <laughs> want that. But if you ever were interested in cutting one of those out and putting one together for yourself on your Glowforge, I I'd be interested to see how uh that I, that uh, that that all I'm gonna look at, went together. So I'm it, it's a machine at, that doesn't do anything, though. It just gets it's right. But you could put your own sign on it, though. You don't have to have it sure. for Maker Central. You could put your own logo on the top of that and have it as a display, you know, or something. I, I, so I think I'm actually going to order a sheet of the green acrylic from Glowforge because it's it's nice and easy to set up. They put little barcodes on the material, mm-hmm. and the machine scans the barcode, and all the settings are in. You don't have to do anything. You just tell it you want to yeah. cut, engrave, or score. Um, I think I may actually do this just. The idea of doing this out of acrylic is really, I like that idea. I think it would look really cool out of acrylic. And then you'd have another person, then you'd have a guaranteed material that you know it works with. Yeah, that'd be nice. And I probably, yeah, hit me up if you do that, because I might have some extra parts laying around okay. here. Because I think usually I bought, I, I, um, I bought at least enough, I think, to make four or five of those machines. I think that we've only used like, like three so far oh. of, the, of the parts you know the the motors the, and the, the hardware pieces. yeah the pieces yeah. that were specific to it there were these little circuit boards these little um, motor controllers that had a little speed control on them and stuff like that it's amazing what you can buy now <laughs> on amazon it's, or at banggood or oh my god um, you can get these little electronic boards that do things you know <laughs> just I, I, you know one up. of the things one of the things that got me going really hard into the maker movement before woodworking was arduino and I was just like, I can't believe I can do this. Like, this is amazing. You know, you have all these parts. You have one breadboard and you have a little controller that you plug in with a USB. Mm-hmm. And so the first project, the first practical project I ever did with an Arduino, I made a notification system for my washer and for my dryer. And really? I put a photo I put a photovoltaic sensor on on a long wire and I taped it over the LED that came on when the cycle was done. And when the when the site when the light lit, it would trigger the Arduino to send a notification to my phone and my wife's phone to tell me the laundry was done. <laughs> and it's like, I, who the hell would have come up with that? And right? what a workaround you did too for I to see to the light the coming on. You didn't even cut into the machine. You just well, looked I, at the light. So all That's the great. it's funny. It's funny because all of the 
all of the um, plans, all the plans that were out there for a similar system involved cutting it open and then putting a pull-down resistor on the on the LED line and grabbing the voltage. And when the voltage spikes, you read that voltage and say, oh, the light came on. But I didn't want my wife's like, you are not opening the goddamn machines because they're still under warranty. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, fine, I won't open it. So I had to come up with another way. And my way of doing it was a light sensor, which was like, and when I did it, I was telling people what I did. They're like, that's genius. You never had to open the machine. I was like, no, I didn't want to open the machine. So, and then I ended up getting smart things and yeah. buying actual sensors and sticking them on the sides of the machine. But, yeah. but that was something that I was like, I can't believe I figured this out. Yeah. Like, and it took me, you know, I would sit here at my desk in the afternoon and I would take the Arduino and hold it in my hand and I'd put the terminal up on the screen and I'd watch the readings. I'd give it a good shake. And then... I was like, okay. And I had like three different accelerometers where I was trying to do it by just measuring if the machine was moving. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get it right. And I was like, damn it, what am I going to do? And then I had the idea. And I was like, let's try this. And I took my flashlight and I rigged up the sensor. And let's see if this works. I flashed it on. My phone got a notification. I'm like, holy crap. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, see, that could lead you to, you know, to some other project. It, something. Or maybe there's a listener right now that heard you say that that just got an idea. So and just said, "Yeah, holy crap! I've been trying to figure out a way to do that without opening up my machine. You're a genius." Yeah, <laughs> I actually, I, I wonder if I still have the code anywhere for it because it, it worked really, really well. And what's funny is it worked really well before Arduino had really good Wi-Fi boards. Oh, this was like yeah. the Arduino Yoon, which the Wi-Fi on it was a pain in the ass to even work with. Mm. Now they're like, it's built in, you have a whole interface, there's a built-in web server on them, you just log in and set everything up, and you still just do your code like normal, and you call that library and everything works, and it's like, wow, it's so much easier now. The kids today, they don't even know what I had I to know. go through back in the old days. I had to write code for everything, Arr, uphill both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Aren't those things, those boards are like, what, like 20 bucks, 25 bucks? Oh my God. I mean, I bought the first one I bought was from, was from Banggood and it was a whole kit with like a whole bunch of resistors and LEDs and a breadboard and a whole bunch of DuPont wires. And I think the whole thing was like 20 bucks, you know, it was a knockoff Arduino board, but (laughs) it works, you know, and that, and that's funny because Arduino being open source meant every Tom, Dick and Harry was knocking them off. And, you know, as long as you got a board that worked, you were pretty good. Most of the Chinese boards didn't work or they were glitchy. This one I actually got was the, I bought three of them. Only one of them worked really well. So that's the one I kept. The other two are um, in a landfill somewhere. I see. You know, there's a, there's a, uh, another fantastic company in New York. That's Adafruit. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. has some amazing things. I subscribed um, for the first couple of months to the Ada box. Okay, so, so you did. So you got the mailings then. Uh-huh. I was doing it, and then it's just like, okay, 60 bucks a month, and I'm already backed up on boxes. I think I'm going to have to stop for a little while. Yeah, yeah. But the thing but, is, is if you're you're looking to do just any, like, um, you know, Halloween costume or yeah. just anything like that, and you go on there, and it's just like a candy store of all kinds of things. And a lot of them are just don't even take much soldering or anything and you're just you're into a project and it's doing some pretty cool stuff and they do some great stuff with like they have custom libraries for this stuff and it's like oh yeah just put this library in and then everything's parameterized you don't have to write code for almost Mm -hmm. anything that comes from adafruit because all the little board all the additional boards that they make are just boards that you know 
they've written code for. Hey, you want code? We have example code. We have a library for you. Well, I think that's a great way to learn too, because you get something that's working and then you can go in there. And like you said, if there's the parameters to change, you can go in there and say, oh, look, if I change this, oh, I see how this works. Mm-hmm. You know, and that might lead you in. I've tried to learn code a few times, but um, I'm fascinated with it. And those are that's the best way that I learn is by that that hands on, just kind of poking it around and almost like I said, like tearing stuff apart. You know, and saying, "Well, how did? Why does? Okay, what does it do if I put this parameter in or I change yeah. the number?" Or it's like, "Wait a minute, a hundred percent." What if I put in 400%? <laughs> like, you know, what happened? You know, it's like, wait, 100% is not 100%. 100% is not all there is. <laughs> it's like, right. you know, we can maybe crank this up a, a little bit. Um, we can crank it up to 11. Yeah. Well, that reminds me, <laughs> one, one of the things I was going to bring up, and I don't know if, you, if you've if you seen it or not, but um, there's a video uh, project that I, that I have coming up, and I, I promised – well, not only myself, but I promised several people that I was going to do it. It's, it was a while back. I posted this on, let me see, when was it? Oh, back at the beginning of the year, January 4th on my Instagram. It's an electric motor that I built when I was 14 years old that I still have it. Wow. And I got so many comments. I don't even know how many comments I've got. A lot of comments. Um, and uh, if people were looking at it going, what is that? Because I didn't say, I don't think I said that it was a, yeah, I didn't say it was an electric motor Uh-oh. because it's just a bunch of wires that I found. Like there were these found wires. So they're like all different colors and I wrapped them around a stick <laughs> and I made an electromagnet in it and I put a power supply on it and it, oh, yeah. and it, and it's actually the tape on it. It's actually two different, t- there's a piece of masking tape and a piece of <laughs> electrical tape. It's literally like I, I found it. I dug it out. Um, out of a oh, box wow. and the thing actually ran and um, I actually had it started up and I, and I thought, well, I'll just put this on Instagram and see, you know, if people are interested. And I, I 58,000 plays on that video. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that crazy? And and the That's thing is, nuts. is like, I, I like making these little videos too for Instagram. I, I think they're, they're fun for, I like to watch little videos on Instagram. I think people tend to uh, like to see them, especially when it's something like that. Like it's a little gadget, you know, and you're actually getting it, you're doing something with it. Um, it's kind of fun. So I'm going to probably do more of those, but I, but I've got three different uh, designs right now for homemade uh, electric motors because Ooh. I, people were just fascinated. They're like, well, how did, what, 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 what do you, you know, what is that? What do you, what, like, it, it's like, that is how electric motor works. It doesn't look I, like one because it's a piece of, it's a stick with a bunch of It's funny you say, cause I was literally just it, going but, like, you've literally just, you've done basically a um, deconstructed motor for people that have never seen motors. This is like, wait, how, how, how does this work? And yeah. it's like, yeah, like a motor. Well, I, <laughs> didn't invent, I didn't invent it. It was actually exactly. a book from the library at the time, an actual book with a hardcover on it that the book was, I think it said how to make a motor. And it was this <laughs> book I got from the public library and my motor doesn't look like theirs because I didn't have the right parts. I, they weren't the, you know, they weren't similar pieces of screw and metal and things like that. I just took what I had and, you know, used the, the concept and uh, put it together. But so I want to do um, a video that's like a, the homemade, like what you can find around your house. 
you know, mm. to, to do that. I want to do a version like that. But I also, because I've been working on machining things, I really love my metal lathe I that I recently. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to make one that's maybe somebody wants to do some, you know, a little bit of machining work, you know, and maybe do some, mm-hmm. make some parts like that, some little higher end, maybe with like a little ball bearings and things, you know, in it and do a version of that. And then there's these other motors that I just saw a couple of different YouTube channels that these motors, they're not sp- spinning motors with the magnet like this one is they're like a they're like piston motors where you just have a they're like you know what a solenoid is where it's got a mm-hmm. core and it you, you when it magnetizes it pulls it in yep um you can make it it almost looks like a locomotive like a like an old uh, steam engine basically you put a you just make a cylinder with a coil and then you have the core that gets pulled in but as the core gets pulled in it also switches it off or it reverses the voltage um and uh, you can have a one or a two cylinder. Like it almost looks like a steam engine running, but it's electrical. That's, so anyway, that's I haven't figured it out yet, but I'm going to, I think I want to make a few of those because it seemed like people really like those. And, um, well, I'll tell you what it is. You know, I mean, just my, un, my uninformed, non-expert opinion is it's different. And, and this is what, when we, when we started talking, this is what I told you I liked about your channel as opposed to a lot of the other maker channels. And this is where I think a lot of the maker channels actually fall short. You have an incredible variety of things on your channel. And considering you've done, I don't have your YouTube channel. Oh, wait, yeah, I do. You've done, what are we looking at here? 5, 10, 15, about 25 videos. Yeah, it's not a whole lot. But every one of them is a unique and interesting video, which I think that's better than somebody who has, you know, 2,000 videos and they're all like, hey, how do I make a coffee table? How do I make a coffee table with an epoxy inlay? How do I make a coffee table with hairpin legs? How do I make a coffee table using a live edge slab? How do I make a coffee table using uh, using melamine? How do I make a coffee table using concrete? God damn it. It's like, okay, we get it. You mm-hmm. like coffee tables, mm-hmm. you know? And, well, well, like I was saying, I if I have uh, one of the things that I, I've just learned – I don't know, over the last year or so of something that I think that value, we talked about value that I have is, is maybe helping somebody who's ready to start another river table, um, (laughs) say, Hey, what, you know, go, go take a walk in the woods, you know, and maybe see, maybe there's something else that's going to come to your mind that's not been done Mm -hmm. before. And you're in it, but it's based on a cup. Maybe it is a coffee table, but it's, it's, it's a new version of it. It's the new thing of that. And you are the one that just, you know, had the brainstorming, you know, came up with it. So some brainstorming exercises, you know, and, and things like that, that, um, if, if that's, you know, if somebody's saying like, ah, you know, I'm going to make one of those, but it's going to look just like, you know, um, you know, there, there's a way around it. Like I yeah. said, as a trained, you know, professional, where I had to go to work every day and, and you told me a little bit about what you do at work every day. Uh, there's some problem solving. You walk, yeah, you walk into it. work and you're like, Oh, I, oh, by the end of the day, I need to, <laughs> I need to have that figured out. Uh-huh. Um, and if we treat our, our hobbies that way, and, and why not? Why not give yourself an assignment and for yeah. the weekend, you know, and say, well, it's Friday night. I'm going to, this weekend, I'm going to do something. And I, and, and you have to put in a category. You start narrowing it down of what it is you're going to do. And you can give yourself an assignment like you had a client. And it's good practice because then if you actually fulfilled it, and then the next time when a client does call, and say, I need something over the weekend. Well, you know what? <laughs> a few weeks back, I actually that. came out, had nothing, I had no idea what I was going to do on Friday night. And by Sunday night, I was done with a, you know, a finished piece. Well, then 
Yeah, I could take on a client that way. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? It kind of gives you that um, confidence or the and, running and, start at it. And if you develop, if you develop that kind of, you know, that kind of reputation where you're producing things for people and you're reliably producing them on a very good timetable for them, oh, you're good. You're good because, uh, and this is this was something that I when I set up my, you know, my shipping set up here i modeled it after the company i worked for um Mm -hmm. i essentially have a scaled down version of the same shipping procedures that they have downstairs in my basement i have shipping packaging all this stuff from uline i spent a i spent almost 200 bucks on boxes why Mm -hmm. because i wanted to make sure that no matter what i needed to ship i never needed to find a box i always have the box i need for everything i make if i start selling something that doesn't fit in these boxes guess what I'm going to order the the size of boxes that'll fit those. I have a label printer hooked up to my computer mm-hmm. on my desk. It's not a label printer like you get a Dymo one. It's a Zebra printer. And for people that do this stuff and do logistics stuff, you know that Zebra makes the best label printers on the planet. I have a stamps.com account that I pay 15 bucks a month for. Why? Because it allows me to ship first class packages out of my house. So instead of shipping them priority mail where it costs seven to eight dollars, it costs me three dollars to ship something or four dollars to ship something. Mm-hmm. All of this is stuff I've thought of so that when orders come in, I don't need to think about it. I have everything in place that I need to get an order out. When somebody orders from my online store, I go downstairs, I get the appropriate packaging, bring it up here, put it all into, copy and paste their information out of Wix into stamps.com, kick out a label, put the tracking number back into Wix. They get an e- the customer gets an email notification that the stuff's on its way. I take it to the post office either that day or the next morning. Done. Yeah, I have well, the whole process nailed down so that I don't ever, this is never a bottleneck for my business. Well, it's also your stuff. Yeah, I'm picturing... I've never received a package from you, but well, then you I'm, should probably. I know, but I can imagine that it's just as professional as any big business of a package oh, that I'm going to order versus you've received things from people on eBay mm-hmm. or whatever, it, and it comes, it's it comes wrapped in bag. somebody else's yeah. box, you know, and it's got. You know, not packing tape, but scotch tape or masking tape, holding it together. And it's got a handwritten, you know, um, and it's just not quite there. So you've not only made it efficient, you've got a very professional professional. looking package too. I want to, I want to always feel bigger than I am. Right. Because your, your image, it's not the only thing, but it, it doesn't not matter. Mm-hmm. It, it matters. Your image is important. I have all my jewelry goes out in a black box with my label on the top of it with my logo, every piece, um, unless it's the cheaper stuff, which I just started using. I got these card backs that I'm going to start using for the cheaper stuff. And if people want a gift box, they can buy a gift box. I'm not going to, but I'm not going to give oh, you a I gift see. box yeah. if you're buying a $10 piece. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm not charity. I'm a business, right? But stuff like that, like I bought labels, my, my shipping labels have my lab, my logo on them when mm-hmm. i ship something every single thing i ship gets a little handmade that handwritten and i write it at the time a little handwritten thank you note thank you for your order i hope you'll come back you know all of that but i do yeah. all of that because i feel like i want people to be confident when they order from me that they're not ordering from a guy who's just running around stuffing stuff in in a walmart <laughs> or an amazon box right. and and repackaging yeah, sure. stuff with you know <clears throat> i use clear tape i don't i I don't recycle boxes anymore. I was at the beginning because it was all I had. Yeah. But, you know, everything that I've made 
doing this, I've reinvested back into, you know, setting it up. I've set up the processes so that my business is way bigger than it really is because that gives me room to grow without thinking about what I have to do to grow. And that's where a lot of people that are doing what I do trip up. You know, they get the thing and they're like, I have the thing. I have the website. I'm good. And then the first order they have to ship, they have no freaking idea how to get the order out the door. And it's like, if you can't ship, you're dead. <laughs> Nothing else matters. Yeah. Oh, it, it just costs. Yeah. To have a small business, there, there's, there's, um, it's shocking how much it can cost um, yeah. just to get the basics, uh, in there. When back in the day before we were transferring, um, things over the internet, um, like I said, the automotive work that I did, um, it had to go through over a secure server. We weren't mm-hmm. able to do email stuff because it's we were doing pictures of next year's cars mm, um yeah, so a lot of the times when we would deliver digital assets um i would have to burn a dvd or burn a cd and mm-hmm. um i i had cds uh, blank cds printed you know screen printed with my logo yeah. on this on the cds and on the dvds as, as blanks so that when we uh, put them in the machine and, and recorded onto them to be delivered. You know, it was on there and it, it wasn't cheap, you know, to do that. But, but when they but opened matters. up that envelope and there's, you uh-huh. know, my logo, there's, and it's written, it's on there, you know, what this file is. And it wasn't just some silver, you know, from the um, office supply store, you know, right. uh, disc. No, it, there, it matters. There's, a, there's some value there and it, it you know, it costs. Uh, Who's, who okay. are you going to go back to a guy that, a guy that sends you a verbatim CD or are you going to go back to a guy that's, wow, he put the effort into screen printing. This guy's legit. Yeah. There's like the value there. Yeah. And then when they, when I send the bill, <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? There's, there's, it's, a value. It's, it's like, yeah, well, this is a, you know, this isn't just some guy working out of his basement, which, right. and, <laughs> which and, I am and, right now. But. Right. Exactly. But then that's the same, same thing with me, right? Like, I feel like if I, if I put together a package where if I send someone a gift box for a pair of earrings that they order and they paid 25 bucks for the earrings and they get that gift box and they see that the, the earrings are pinned in the box the right way. They're pinned to the cotton. I don't just throw them in the box. They're pinned in there. Most people don't even know you buy those pins and put them in there. I knew to do that, right? Yeah. The boxes have cotton in them. They're not, it's not folded up paper. The boxes have a nice tactile feel to them. They have my logo on the top of it. When you get that presentation, you go, oh, wow. He puts effort (laughs) into it. He cares. Sure, sure. I was just laughing because I just remembered, um, I can't remember who it was. There was this, well, there's this global love hate for Apple products. Oh, oh yeah. 100%. But most people, when they, when they get an iPhone or they get a, an Apple, they're just like, they take out their, this beautiful new iPhone, but they go, look at this box. <laughs> right. And because it, it matters. Like, wow. Even if not, even if not consciously, even if not consciously, you know, your brain thinks about a business differently when the packaging looks good. And this is something that I'm coping with in my day job because one of the things I do in my day job, and I don't think I've ever told anyone this, but it's relevant to the discussion, is I design product packaging. And what I'm getting a feel for because my boss is a stickler for image and he's made me one and i'm starting to understand his his mindset which i didn't before i was like well it looks no one's looking at it no he's right they are look not only are they looking at it but they're looking at it they're making judgments about your company they're making judgments about the product inside the box without even opening the box all that's happening in about 3 seconds when they see your box mm-hmm. and 
you know, for me, I, I don't get to have retail packaging. So I have to be even more careful. Like when they open that envelope, what do they see? Or when they open that box, what do they see? I shipped out a large order yes, uh, yesterday. What's today? Tuesday. So yeah, yesterday. And all it was three pieces, two cutting boards and a wine display. And it's all wrapped. Everything's wrapped individually in bubble wrap. All right. It's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's wrapped and it looks good. And when they get that box, that box is like packed nicely with airbags and bubble wrap. And it, it all it all matters. It all matters. Your image. It sucks that it is this way, but it is this way. Your image is the work you put into it creates your image. And it, it, it if your if your image is. Uh, you ordered it. Thank you. You know, I'm I'm a small guy. I don't have time for this crap. Well, nobody has <laughs> that's time what to it order sounds, from you. Right. That's that's what you hear when you open up those boxes, those yeah. other boxes. <clears throat> like you get if I mean I'm I'm going to be even I'm going to be even a bigger ass right now. <laughs> if you're shipping anything in the priority mail flat rate boxes, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't give a damn what you're shipping. Do not ship in those boxes because that is amateur hour crap. Do not ship in those boxes. First of all, it's cheaper to ship in your own box. A lot yes, cheaper. It is. Probably about yes. half price to ship yeah. in your own box. But second of all, unless you're selling I a box of rocks, then then you might get a better deal. Exactly. I see those flat rate boxes and I see a regular brown box. And what do I think about the guy with the flat rate box? Oh, he's cheap. Even though it's more. It's more, but I know you got that box for free from the post office. <laughs> Right. And it's like, it just, yeah. it, you know, these are all the crazy things that you have to think about when you're starting your business. Every little thing contributes to your image. If your website looks like crap, it hurts you. If your website isn't focused, which mine wasn't up until about a, to mo- about a month and a half ago, I had pages for stuff. It's like, why am I doing this? No, blog, podcast, shop, homepage, done. That's my website now. And I cleaned up all the project logs and all that, gone. Why? Because let's be honest, no one's going there looking at them. And I don't need that as my portfolio. My portfolio is my shop, right? Mm-hmm. I noticed your website is very similar to mine. You are very, very, very focused. Well, thanks. I feel like it's a little bit more scattered than yours is. It, but it's I, not. I to... <laughs> it, it's not, though, because you have, you have your YouTube, your Instagram, and you have some affiliate links at the bottom of your homepage. It's very clean. It's it's exactly what your site should be because you're in a different space. You're you're a content creator, right? Yeah. Well, th- thanks for that because I was pretty self conscious <laughs> about trying to get that um, together because I I went ahead. You know, it's a Squarespace site, so it's supposed to be mm-hmm. super easy to do. And you take the template and you put your own stuff in there, and then. You know, of course, me, I couldn't leave it alone. So I had to keep no, changing things. Not. And now I don't even know what template I started with because it's like, why is that working that way? You know, but. You know it's funny because I started with, I actually started with Wix, which I know like Wix, ugh. But I started with Wix. And the reason I started with Wix was because I just didn't have the time to do anything else. And Wix gave me, I had a coupon. I don't know how I even got it. My first year of the e-commerce plan instead of being $250 was like 125 bucks for the whole year. I'm like, all right, I can take a, take a chance on this for a year. And I set my site up in three days. Mm. Like it was up running and taking orders in three days. I was like, I ain't going to do a whole lot better than that in the future. Yeah. But it took me a long time to realize that my site was a mess and it wasn't projecting the image that I need to project if I want to sell stuff. So, 
I started changing it. I made a lot of changes to it. Now I'm actually pretty happy with it. Is it perfect? No. Is it very good? Does it look professional? Yeah, it looks pretty professional. I'm not embarrassed by it anymore. You know, if I give it to somebody, I'm like, oh, that's okay. I can send them. Right. But, I know you, you know, mean. again, that's that's one of yeah. the things that you just have to you have to do. If you want to play the game, you have to play the game with everybody. And I noticed something about you is that you do play the game and you seem to have the right mindset about how to play the game your videos your videos are tight they're well edited the music is good you know you have a website that's focused the way you need it to be focused your 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 calls to action at the top where your free stuff is like right there which is one of your marketing materials it's just it's well done and you you actually i feel like you get it you know well, it's not well, just, thank you i really i really uh like the fact that you're giving me this input from you know, from another perspective, because like a lot of us, we kind of work in our own little world. We do. And so it's getting that, that input from the outside and, and I just heard what you said. And I was just thinking that you were talking about investing in your packaging and your, your boxes and how it kind of looks. And mm-hmm. I have a background in and imaging and some video and and things like that. But it was important to me that I I think I mentioned to you in the pre-show that I've gone through like four different microphones, you know, (laughs) figure out what Mm -hmm. what sounded right because I knew that even if the image wasn't quite there, if the information in the voice was clear, um, I have kind of a flat voice anyway, so I need to make sure that it comes across and it's and it's clear. So there was a, you know, to um, I haven't spent a lot of money on equipment. I already had some photo equipment, which was good for video, um, you know, to do that. But I was already, you know, into photography and lighting and things like that. So those skills came in too, but I was put, taking the time to do it. And again, it's like investing in that packaging, you know, so that it, it, um, it, it, it has a, has a good look to it. And I, and I do enjoy that. I actually enjoy making pictures and video, you know, moving pictures and video, things Mm -hmm. like that. So it's part of the enjoyment, you know, of that, of that process and, you know, putting, putting the time, uh, you know, into, uh, into, into thinking it through so that when there is a video, whatever the subject is, if it's a build project or it's a tip video or, or something like that, that there's that information, but there's also that packaging, like you were right. saying, not the literal, literal packaging, it, but figurative packaging. Hey, it all matters that it comes in. And I, I guess I just didn't, well, I guess it was conscious, but not out front. I don't know what you call it's that. Not, not out front, front conscious. Like yeah, the, the fact there. that I wanted to make sure that it was packaged in a nice way so that mm-hmm. when people saw that, they felt like there was, you know, there was something There's, there. Now it is YouTube. <laughs> a right. lot of people say it's YouTube. You can just shoot it on your phone and nope. it's great. And it's fine. Cause it's amateur hour, you know, type of thing. It's like, well, you can, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Can, but don't expect it, anything out of it. If that's what you do, that's all. Yeah. But it, it just, as long as it's clear. And it, I think I just heard somebody, somebody else just said too, they use the word concise. And I think mm-hmm. that's a key for me just in this last couple of weeks of thinking about project videos and things is that keeping it concise, I think concise really sums it up for YouTube videos because it's like, who just did this? I, I have some pics, by the way, that people have been watching lately. I just watched a video, I don't think who it was, that was cutting some boards. Oh, he's not even on my list because, well, David Picciuto, I just watch him. 
<laughs> anyway, I'm not going to, I was going to call out some people that are maybe not as well known, but um, he just, his last project, he was making that little desk that he made and he had to glue up a, a tabletop, a little desktop. Uh-huh. And he uh-huh. just said, he goes, well, I, I, I joined it and I glued up the top. I'm not going to show you how to do this again. Because <laughs> needs to see somebody jointing boards and gluing them up with again. bar clamps, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, fine. Good, great. Okay. Now, how are you going to use that? You know, what are you, what are you doing unique with that now? Right. Yeah. So. I, th- I think at this point there's certain procedures, especially in woodworking videos, where it's like, yeah, we really don't need to see the whole version of this. And, and if you watch like, you know, if you watch a lot of cutting board videos, it's, always the same process and i love cutting board videos but i don't need to see the glue up i i get the glue up i i really do i understand i you glue the sides you put them in your bar clamps i'm pretty good with that can we move on to how the hell did you get that pattern yeah that's the part yeah. i want to know exactly like and you could, said you were you were saying that earlier about that that process you know and seeing yeah, the, those things and things that maybe you hadn't seen before that the end piece right. is like not quite you know, as, as important, but, uh, yep. you're not doing a very good job of, um, of reeling me in on this, uh, this talk we're having to, here. So I, I don't need to, maybe we should save friends. some of this for, <laughs> we'll have to do Bernie. We'll have to, going to have to do Bernie. Solo I would love two. to talk to you. I, I know you love photography and things. So uh, oh, if yeah, you ever want do... me back and we can talk about some of the photo uh, stuff that I've done as a, you know, in the professional range of, um, product photography and stuff like that that'd be a I would, fun that would definitely to be too so that would definitely be something in fact i'm i'm actually when you talk when you and i were talking in the pre-show i actually had an idea of maybe bringing on a bunch of my photography oriented friends and oh. we'll all just have one big photography <laughs> show you know i've, I've actually pondered because be what's going to happen because I'm a young fledgling podcast, what's going to happen is I'm going to run out of guests sooner or later. So the idea is going to be, what can I do that's going to keep people coming back? And I think what I might do is get a bunch of people together and have like round tables on different topics. So, but that's down the line. I've still got plenty of guests lined up coming, which is good. And I want to do a couple of, I don't want to say solo episodes because I already made that joke, but <laughs> yeah, that I already do. One. I'm doing a, it's a solo episode tonight, right? Yeah. But um, I do want to do um, some solo episodes and intersperse those in, but I'm having fun doing the interviews and people are saying yes. So as long as people That's are saying great. yes, I have no problem. Come on here and let's have a little chat. Yeah. And I've, um, I've enjoyed the previous like, few episodes you've done. They've been really uh, good you. just to basically sit and listen and uh, just feel like I'm part of the conversation too. I'm, so. I'm trying to do something that, maker podcasts don't do which is talk to the makers rather than how do you do this what about this tool well, that, eh, that's cool but maker you know pe- people want to people want to connect as people to other people we don't want to connect to people i don't want to connect to bernie solo the maker i want to connect to bernie solo the person i like bernie solo the maker bernie solo the maker is one of my favorite makers on youtube which is why i'm one of his patrons and by the way if you're not a patron or you're not watching his videos what the hell is wrong with you go watch his videos um but i i want to connect with people as people and i want i want to bring out the humanity that we're kind of lacking in the digital world where it's like everything is just oh it's yeah that's bernie he makes youtube videos well really what's his favorite ice cream what is your favorite ice cream, by the way? I would say mint chocolate chip. <laughs> good man. Good man. You and my wife get along great. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's just ever since I was a, was a but that's, kid. That's the, um, that's the personal touch that I feel like is really missing. And I think people need to be a little more humanized and a little less um, in 30-second snippets. Um, mm-hmm. I th- 
we're at an hour 30, so I think we're going we're gonna to put a wrap on this one. Is there any place you'd like to direct my wonderful listeners? And just so you know, as usual, guys, anything that Bernie puts out there, I will have linked in the show notes. So why don't you tell people where they can find you online and uh, learn more about you? Okay. Well, I was, uh, because I kind of went at this all at the same time, I found that the Works by Solo brand uh, worked on everything. <laughs> Brilliant. So basically, Evan and Caitlin's rule number one, get your name on every social. Yeah. So and that. it's the same one. So there's no underscores. Perfect. There's no missing letters or anything like that. So it's this, that's the same as, uh, the, the website, um, is the same in, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, instructables. Also, I've got a couple of instructables out there. Really? That's, that's a fun thing. Oh my gosh. If you guys haven't tried that, um, yeah, definitely look, I look had into no idea. instructables. Um, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, and there's a lot of people you'll know if you go on there, you'll see a lot of YouTubers on, on instructables. Hmm. So, um, cool. Can I, can I shout out a couple of people that I've been, you can shout, that I've been sure, you absolutely watching can. lately? Um, sure. there's maybe, like I mentioned earlier, maybe some not so, um, Okay. Well, <laughs> the one site that I binge watched, which is not on my actual list of people because he's a pretty big channel, is The Craftsman. Oh, <laughs> dude, you, I oh am God. all about The Craftsman. I so, oh my God. Now, my kids, I've got my kids watching. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, so anybody out there, I mean, it's a pretty big channel, but if anybody hasn't heard of The Craftsman, now there's no T in there, it's just Craftsman. Um, yeah, it's super entertaining. Um, wonderful. And uh, wonderful, super knowledgeable about another one that's like yeah. ridiculously <clears throat> knowledgeable about an incredible range of things. There's um, a pretty good sized channel, uh, uh, Pask Makes. Do you know? Also genius. Do you know Neil, Neil yep. Pask? Neil Pask is a genius. He's uh, Australia, I mm -hmm. think. And then there's another Australian uh, fella, Scott Turner. His channel is uh, Form Industrious. He's okay, got just almost a hundred thousand subs, so he's a pretty big channel, and right. he's got. Not only does he have really interesting uh, the builds, but his design sense. His he designs things, and they're just a lot of um, just really. It's really really cool stuff. So, and those are two of the larger channels that people have probably heard of, and then two that I've just recently um, discovered, just within the last several months, um, is uh, a place called Recreational Machinist. Which is a little bit people like this old Tony, uh, as far as a machinist channel. This old Tony is mm -hmm. a kind of a big uh, machinist channel. Uh, this fella, I don't know what his name is. Recreational machinist. I'm sorry, it's the recreational machinist. He's got about fourteen thousand subs, so it's not a not a real huge channel, but uh, very good instructions on on machining. And then as far as the machining goes, because I said I've really been looking at getting into more machining and metal lathe, especially is a channel called Blondie Hacks. Do you know oh, okay. do you know Quinn Donkey? I don't, but they, that channel is a is a patron of uh, yeah, making, making it. it. Yeah, making it. Yeah. Yep. And Quinn is just oh, sh I've just learned so much. Every video, there's something in there, and it's pretty much metal machining. So it's a you know a bit of that that category, but um, she's super knowledgeable and cool. um, very very good. I've picked up several tips um, from good from her. So um, yeah. Anyway, so those are. Those are some other suggestions besides myself <laughs> out yeah, there and, on the internet. So again, thanks for letting follow, me put those in. Oh, no problem. Follow, follow Bernie. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed and watch the video. 
Watch the Christmas Village video. It really, uh, it's it's just so good. Yeah, I'm so glad you enjoyed that. It's That's so great. good. I love that video so much. I, I'm probably going to go watch it again. That's my most the- uh, theatrical, I think, of all. <laughs> I think it's probably, I think, I think in many ways it's your best video just because it's not just the project, it's the story behind the project. And it's almost like behind the music meets the, uh, meets the actual project. So that's great. And, and not to mention the fact that it really did turn out beautiful. So, Oh, wow. This has been wonderful. Vincent. thank you so much (laughs) for having me on. It's great great talking to you. I look forward to even talking to you socially eventually more. So (laughs) we have so much in common. So it's funny because a lot of people that come on here, a lot of people that come on here are surprised that I know their catalog of work as well as I do. And really the secret is if I've invited you on, it's because I know your cal- your whole work ah, catalog. Like I know key. your stuff. Yeah. I only invite the best. <laughs> Great. Thank um, you. That's going to do it for today, guys. Um, we'll be back again next week. I don't know whether we are going to have just me or we're going to have a guest. I'm hoping, I'm pretty sure I have a recording Friday night, which means we should have a guest next week or maybe two. Oh, wow. Two guests, guys. Uh, you can find the podcast and all the information related to it at becausewemake.com or vincentmferrari.com slash podcast. And just because we're on every platform now and it's official, if you look into your podcast player and it supports this, there's a little dollar sign button. And if you like what we're doing here and you want to kick a few bucks toward the podcast, Anchor can handle that for you and all donations will be greatly appreciated and anything you donate will go back into making this an even better show than it already is. And that's going to do it for this week. We will be back again next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you.